are listening to Dialogue Dilemmas. This is a special election episode prior to the launch of the podcast. I know you're all just on the edge of your seats waiting for this podcast to be launched that you haven't even heard of. But while you're waiting for the launch, I, your host Megan, wanted to do something to contribute and help people cope while we wait for the election results. And I actually have a guest with me here, my partner Corey. Hi, Corey. Hi, Megan. And we both believe that empathy can help us cope with the uncertainty that we're dealing with right now while waiting for the election results. It's so uncertain. So I want to start by just offering some empathy guesses to whoever might be listening to this. I imagine that you might be feeling some fear, some worry, maybe frustration. I imagine people are probably feeling let down. Disappointed, yes. And like surprised, shocked. Some people might be feeling hopeful. Some people might be feeling triumphant relieved if their candidate is doing better than they thought they would or candidates since there's different levels of election contests we're talking about here or perhaps people are feeling relieved that there's not just rioting in the streets that too and some of the things i imagine are important right now are that you might be wanting more predictability Wanting to know how to orient to the situation, wanting safety and hope for the future, wanting to understand what's going on. There's a lot of things that people might be feeling right now, and I don't think we can comprehensively cover it. But in addition to offering some of those guesses, we also wanted to model how we can empathize with each other and listen to we're feeling and what's most important to each of us as we are in this really unique moment. One of the many different things that has been going on for me today through this process is I've noticed myself getting a little spiritual bypassy, by which I mean that I think I'm just so fatigued from all the political situation that it's like I'm resistant to acknowledging fear or disappointment, and I just have been wanting to only focus on the positive. I'm like, well, this one ballot measure passed that I wanted, and the sun is still shining, and I just want to find things to be grateful for. (laughs) But I feel like I have low capacity to be present with other people's feelings because I'm sort of hiding from my own negative feelings. Would you like me to reflect that? Sure, or or just... In summary. Yeah, like what you're hearing summarize what's most important Mm. well it sounds like you are really feeling overwhelmed by the amount of feelings and information around this like not just your own but other people's sort of at capacity and focusing on the supposed positives it sounds like feeling like you're able to cope is really important and mm, well I kind of had a realization yes if you want to just thank you for listening because sometimes just listening even if you don't understand right away 
but listening without trying to offer advice or whatever gives people space to understand their own feelings at a deeper level, which is, I think, kind of what just happened to me. I realized when I said that I feel fatigued, that wasn't a word I'd been using today. I've been using a lot of other words, but I do feel fatigued and like I need rest. You're feeling fatigued and you need rest. Yeah, like I just, I need rest. Like, sort of psychological rest. It's kind of what overload results in, is fatigue. And how do you rest in this situation? Ooh. Like, I don't know. So then that leads me to wanting, you know, sometimes we can, I can acknowledge needing rest and like mourn that I don't know how to get that right now, like psychological rest from a situation without just like shutting everything out completely. Yeah. The, the being able to step back and grieve is important. Yeah. Yeah, that gets that gets pretty deep pretty fast. Like I'm like, wow, thinking about being a being a kid and like not being aware of all this stuff and just feeling safe. I mean I didn't always feel safe as a kid and I know not everyone felt safe as a kid. I don't wanna mm. treat childhood with rose colored glasses, but there were definitely some moments of feeling safer in certain ways and not having to think about this wider world and its problems. That was nice. And I could go deeper into that, but I'm gonna just kind of let that percolate a bit and Ooh. practice some emotional bungee jumping, going deep and then coming back up. <laughs> and ask you, would you feel like this would be a good moment to transition? And if you want to share anything, I could listen. Mm, a lot of what's coming up for me is memories. Um, I'm. I think what I'm feeling, I'm I'm feeling nervousness that we're about to enter this prolonged period of tension. So I was a teenager in 2000 and the election seemed like it dragged on forever, like week, days and weeks. After election day, we still didn't have a clear idea of who was going to be the next president and watching the battleground states waver and seeing the lawsuits be filed. I'm finding that like a lot of dread, like I'm dreading mm. the possibility that we're going to have an election that takes a month or more and how much strain and tension that's going to put on everyone. And I feel a lot of fear because it just doesn't feel like we can handle that mm. with the pandemic and all the other things we're already dealing with. And when I talk about people cracking under the strain, I worry about how that might be, uh, what's the word? Actionized? Actuated? Um, operationalized? Operationalized, that's the word. Yeah. Like, what it will look like, you mean? Yeah. In practice? Like, what does not does being it... able to handle it look like? Does it look like people quitting their jobs or just not showing up for work? Does it look like people riding in the streets? Like Or just fighting with each other, taking taking out their frustrations on the nearest target more domestic violence which yeah. like as we know well i've given understand that that like increased with the pandemic and that kind of family violence could increase with the uncertainty and stress now yeah i, re I remember uh in 2000 the usual holiday shopping wasn't happening mm -hmm. 
And finally, it was a short while before Christmas, I believe, that things had resolved and the, the holiday shopping like, jumped up. Like, Black Friday didn't have the numbers it had, and people were more uncertain. But the thing is, we're already doing a lot of that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of those that is already in play, so I feel worried for that things are going to be drawn out and yeah. the fallout from that. Yeah, worried was my was the word that came to mind when you first started speaking, as I was like wondering if worried would capture what you're feeling. Honestly, it sounds like you have a lot of care for others, and you're just like wanting to know that people will be okay somehow. I do. People that does resonate. That they yeah. will be. The people will have hope, and that people will be safe from the outbursts of others. Yeah. I notice like it feels kind of good to frame it that way like to say I want I like if I if you were to say to someone I imagine like I want you to be okay and I want you to be safe like, mm. that feels good yeah I do feel that fatigue as well I've definitely been sort of have checked out feelings today yeah some like disassociation yes unable to really connect with my body in certain ways Hmm. does it resonate to say that you need some way to release the feelings of overwhelm yeah that feels pretty true yeah I'm wondering about that myself now like now my mind is jumping to strategies of like how to release those emotions which I don't think we need to necessarily go into right now But this might be a good moment to say that the model we're using to listen to each other right now is based on something called nonviolent communication, which was developed by a psychologist named Marshall Rosenberg. When was that? When did he first come out with his thing? You know, I'm honestly not exactly sure. I think he started developing it pretty early, definitely by the 70s. That was the impression I've gotten. It was like late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, well, because part of why it's called nonviolent communication is because he was trying to connect it to the like nonviolent activist movements, mm-hmm. like for there to be this link. That was part of why he chose that name. I won't go too deep into the background of it right now, but I just want to focus on using this NVC empathy model, which is basically to focus on how you're feeling and what you're needing or valuing or what matters most to you as a way to cope with uncertainty. I've been involved with nonviolent communication since 2006, and Corey first started learning about it in 2016. Mm -hmm. And something I was just mentioning is that academia, the academic world, was a bit slow to try to do research about nonviolent communication. So even though it is pretty widely spread at this point around the world and incorporated, into some professional fields. I mean, most therapists these days, I think, have at least heard of it. Mm-hmm. Although it's not really incorporated into curriculum and classes most of the time. I had a teacher once who assigned an NBC book as a class text, but it's not super common. But I think a lot of people in certain fields have at least heard of it. But the research was really minimal for a long time. And I just realized recently that I think there's been a little bit of an explosion compared to 10 years ago when I might have first started looking to Mm. see research about it. 
And I found two studies that I just wanted to briefly mention that they're not exactly the same situation by any means, but they do seem to speak to the possibility of nonviolent communication, helping with distress and difficult feelings. Um, one was by Wacker and Ziobeck. Do not know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And that was from 2018. And they studied if nonviolent communication could help health professionals in a few different ways, but one was with empathic distress and dealing with psychological stressors. And they did, in fact, find that it, it did help with those things. And one of the mechanisms by which it helped, as far as I understand their research, was actually through the expression of negative emotions that the participants in the training began to express their negative emotions on their job more. And then this actually helped reduce psychological stressors. So it's, it's kind of related to what I was saying earlier about I'm having this resistance to acknowledging because I'm just so fatigued. I'm having resistance to acknowledging people's feelings about the situation we're in. Mm-hmm. But acknowledging it is actually helpful, at least in some circumstances. Like this study is an example of that, that acknowledging negative emotions, verbalizing them, they called it negative emotion verbalization, I believe, can actually reduce stress. Mm-hmm. Which connects back to the purpose and theme of this podcast, Dialogue Dilemmas. That might be a dialogue dilemma in itself. Part of dialogue is just being open, communicating with the intention to understand and be understood. That's one of the things that makes it different from, like, debate. And then there's this dilemma, maybe, of it's... There's this idea that talking about negative emotions makes them worse. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometimes it does if you get stuck, but it can also really help. I think it's more like people... Yeah, people get stuck or, like you say, fatigued. And for me, the dilemma is... Being able to forge ahead empathically, even though you, or, or being able to hold empathy, even though the, in the midst of all this fatigue and frustration, like they don't support each other. And I, I think the trick is to acknowledge that next level of emotion, like fatigue. Like, oh, I'm having these other feelings, and then now I'm feeling fatigued, and I need to acknowledge that. Because that's what's coming up and is like the top emotion. And ignoring it is what maybe would lead to the spiritual bypassing. Because I'm not, that's like a shortcut. Like I'm just kind of not recognizing that I'm fatigued. I'm just trying to ignore the feelings. But acknowledging that I'm fatigued opens a sort of doorway. I also wanted to mention though this other study that was about something called the Freedom Project. Where... I'm just going to say Suarez et al. from 2014. The article is titled Freedom Project, Nonviolent Communication and Mindfulness Training in Prison, where some trainers worked with prisoners in learning nonviolent communication and mindfulness, which they totally go together because being aware of your feelings can be a mindfulness practice. And they found that the training led to reduced recidivism rates, but that's not the part that I wanted to focus on for the purpose of what we're talking about today is actually about the mechanism by which that happened, which was through the training, they found that individuals 
had increased self-compassion and decreased anger when dealing with difficult interpersonal interactions. Do you have any thoughts on how that could relate to the situation that we're in right now, waiting for the election results? (laughs) It definitely seems significant, and there are, I'm sure many of us have sticky interpersonal communication situations in our media circles or in the immediate future. I know I do. If I if I should call home, I would have to bring my most, most empathetic self. And God, just thinking about that feels really hard. Just thinking about interacting with family who might have very different mm-hmm. political views, very different feelings. Yeah, and like think, thinking about interacting with them feels hard, but even th- like thinking about empathizing with them is like another another level of of effort beyond just like talking to them or arguing with them. I have a sense of be less effort in the long run because it it removes that reactive factor. Like I'm not going to like call my grandmother and blindly react to what she's saying because that that causes more lack of communication that drives less communication down the road. I'm curious, yeah, you're saying that listening for what someone's feeling and what's important to them, like NVC style, what they need, ultimately in the long run might lead to more ease in their relationship, even if it feels more difficult in the short term. Yes, it's a bit of a trade-off. Yeah. I'm curious if, like, especially at this moment, And this might be me spiritual bypassing again and just like trying to find some transcendent truth that's like not scary. But I keep coming back to the thought we're all like Americans who care about the political situation in a very similar boat right now. Like we're all feeling uncertain and scared and hopeful that like the person we want to win is going to win. Mm-hmm. No matter which side we're on, we're feeling those things. Yeah. And and then there's different nuances to it, and, and different people might be feeling different things, like numbness or anger. There's different reactions, for sure. But I just keep coming back to that thought of, like, we're all feeling uncertain, mm-hmm. and we're just waiting. And I wonder if, like, thinking about that, and, like, how even your family that have different political views might be feeling similar things... Is that a connecting thought at all? It is, because I remember watching, like, feeling, going through the tension and frustration of 2020 with them. Not 2020. 2000. 2000 with them. Oh my god. (laughs) Well, on that note, I want to ask you, anyone who's listening, if you would like, um, I invite you to practice empathizing with yourself and acknowledging how you're feeling and if you feel fatigued or scared overwhelmed thinking about what matters to you like if you're wanting some predictability safety care yeah trust and if you want to send me an email you can do so at dialoguedilemmas at gmail.com that's dialogue d-i-a-l-o-g-u-e dilemmas at gmail.com and if you want you can tell me how do you feel about the idea that we're all kind of experiencing this similar uncertainty right now is that a humanizing thought or 
do you have some negative reaction to it of like, no, like it's different or different perspective? Um, I want to hear from you and I will try to respond empathically. And if you are interested in possibly being interviewed or being on the show in the future, let me know that too. I'm wishing you all well and that you are safe and okay. We care about you. Do you have any final thoughts, Corey? Just remember that self-empathy is not about what you should feel. It's about what you do feel. I encourage everyone to really be honest about what you are feeling and not judge yourself for it. I love that. I remember, I mean, it's basically what you're saying, but I remember years ago hearing someone saying, I don't know what to feel about this situation. And I remember thinking, what is the wrong question? The question is, how? How do I feel about this situation? Not what. Like, we're all already feeling things. And if you need permission to feel whatever you're feeling, like, I don't think you do, but if you need it, like, you have it from us. (laughs) Yes, you have it now. All right. Again, thank you for listening. I want to say hang in there. (laughs) Take a deep breath. And hope to hear from you. Thank you.